0: In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Let's pray. Father, we ask this morning that through the power of your word, you would continue the good work that you've started in us. That through your word, we would worship You all the more. That through Your Word, God, that You would comfort those who are weary and in need of hope and encouragement. That through Your Word, the prodigal child would feel the conviction and come back to You. That through Your Word, those whose hearts are hard, and who cannot see, that you would enlighten them to this wonderful mystery, that you would pierce their hearts, and that you would do divine operation this morning. We pray this in your Son Jesus' name. Amen. Thomas Johnson was an African-American born into slavery in the 1800s on a northern Virginia tobacco plantation. By the time he was 10, 10 years old, his mother was sold to another plantation, leaving him all alone with no mother or father. A deep anger and hatred burned in his heart toward those who sold his mother and enslaved him. However, as years went on, Thomas had developed some friendships. Through a friend and a fellow slave, Thomas heard the gospel message. And he trusted in Jesus Christ as his Savior. In his autobiography, Thomas says this, as if a great burden was suddenly lifted and the freedom that I had longed for was given to me, not freedom from physical chains, but in the true freedom of my soul. When Thomas was 27, he was set free because of the Emancipation Act. He wanted to become a missionary to Africa. He held natural communication gifts and natural pastoral skills, but he lacked education. And so, eventually, he found himself across the pond, living in London, attending a pastor's college that a man by the name of Charles Spurgeon had started. Charles Spurgeon and his church would end up sending this sending Thomas to Africa to be a missionary, and Thomas and Charles would become good friends that would encourage each other in the ministry. Thomas Johnson had a staggering insight for us. That is that physical freedom is what he justly longed for. But spiritual freedom is what he needed. Have you ever wondered to yourself why you don't quite feel free? That even though the current culture tells you that freedom is found in self-expression, you still feel shackled. That although you have been encouraged to find your truth and live that truth out, you still feel a burden, a weight upon your back. You feel like there's still something missing, still something that doesn't quite line up. That is because the things that you think will bring you freedom are the things that are still shackling your soul. They're the things that are keeping your soul from the true freedom it needs. In our passage today, we are seeing how Jesus frees us from this slavery that we call sin. That is that we as Christians, have been redeemed. We've been forgiven of our sins. And it was done by His sacrifice. We see that this freedom from sin is because of His rich, because of His lavish grace toward us. And we see that this redemption plan, this Forgiveness of sins through his sacrifice, this mystery is made known to us through the life of Jesus. You know, what what we should clearly see this morning is that God planned to redeem sinners. This is what Paul is trying to communicate to us in this first part of Ephesians. That God planned to redeem sinners in Christ. So to experience true freedom of the soul, we need to know something important. Don't we? We, we need to know God planned to redeem sinners in Christ. He chose us in Him to be holy and blameless. He, he's predestined us for adoption into His family. But exactly how does he do this? Exactly how is this done? Our passage this morning starts off by telling us, in him we have redemption. There is an implication in this passage that we cannot miss. We have redemption. If you're not familiar with this word, redemption, let me try to illustrate it like this. Say there is a war, and you are captured by the enemy. You are thrown into the prison camp. You are treated less than human. You are treated like a slave. You are forced to work for the enemy. Conditions are rough. You hardly get any food. You hardly get any sleep. You dream and imagine what freedom on the other side could possibly look like. And then one day... You were set free. You were paid to be set free. You were let go. In a very s- small way, this illustration is what redemption is like. You were a, a prisoner, a slave to another person. And there was a price that had to be paid to set you free. Now here is the implication to our passage. We need redemption, which means what? We were slaves. We were prisoners. We needed to be set free. This is exactly what Paul tells us in Romans, that we are all slaves. We've been born into sin. We are either slaves to sin or slaves to righteousness, he says. Now, some would rather water this truth down that, that we are sinners. But if we water down our sinfulness, then what need of redemption is there? What need of finding freedom is there? Hear what the Bible says about our sin. Our sin separates us from God. Our sin causes us to fall short of the glory of God. Our, our sin makes us guilty of the eternal wrath and judgment of God. Our sin makes us dead in our trespasses. It makes us dead spiritually. Our sin makes us hostile toward God. Our sin makes us enemies of God. Some in this life are born healthy. Everything is in order. And then at some point in their life, uh, they are hit with a virus that causes different complications and damages that they have to live with for the rest of their life. And there are others, then, who are born with complications from birth. At times, we treat sin as if it's a virus that we catch over time. Sin is not a virus that we catch at some point in our life that messes us up for the rest of the time. No, sin is a poison in our hearts that we are born with. Or you could say, sin is a poison that we are born with that causes us to be slaves. So it's not a matter of what exactly... Or it's not a matter if if I am a slave to sin. It's a matter of what exactly am I a slave uh, to. Are you a slave to money? Believing that if you just make enough money, then you can truly be content in this life. Are you a slave to sexual expression? Believing that if I can sexually express myself, then I can be free. Are you a slave to gossip? Believing that if I can just talk about that person, then I can increase my status and lower theirs. We are born slaves to sin in need of redemption, in need of being set free. We need this because if we remain slaves to sin, then we will pay the penalty of our sin. That is, God will justly judge us. And that we will pay the penalty of eternal damnation. But remember our passage. In Him we have redemption. And how do we have redemption? How do we have this freedom? It is through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. What Paul is telling us, right here in a very just. Dis- way is that we are freed from slavery by the sacrifice of Christ. We are freed from the slavery of sin by Christ's death on a cross. By Christ shedding his blood for us on the cross, you and I can be forgiven of our sins. We can be set free from sin. Our soul, as Thomas Johnson says, can experience the freedom that it means. Brother, sister, if you're in here this morning, and you are just, have an overwhelming sense of guilt and inadequacy, this should bring you such great hope. Because there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So here, if the devil is condemning you, if he is whispering into your ears, reminding you of all of the past sins that you've committed, reminding you of how guilty you are, reminding you or telling you that you are not worthy, Here's what you should say back to him. You are right. I am a sinner, like you say, and an even worse sinner than you know. But I have been set free by the blood of Christ. And because of that, I am a forgiven sinner. On the other hand, do you live as if you are free? Do you live as if you have been set free from your sin through Christ's death? Are you growing in the fruits of the Spirit? Are you growing to love God more? Are you growing to love your neighbor more? Are you by the power of the Spirit putting to death the deeds of the flesh? You were freed from sin not to put the chains of slavery of sin back on yourselves, but to walk in righteousness, to be holy and blameless before Him. God has planned to redeem sinners in Christ and he frees us by sending Jesus to die for our sin. And for those who come and repent and confess, there is forgiveness. There is forgiveness. God planned to redeem sinners and and here's the amazing part of it. It wasn't by your work or your effort. It was according to the riches of his grace. God looked at us with compassion and a love and according to his rich grace redeemed us. According to his grace he redeemed us. We see though that it's not just a Tiny, tiny bit of grace. Context and remembering who Paul is writing to is important for us this morning. It's crucial for us to understand. He's writing to a people who who followed pagan gods and goddesses. He's, He's writing to a group of people that used to believe that if you just did the right things, If you just made the gods and goddesses happy, then you would receive grace from them. Then they would accept you. Then you would be on the right side of the team. But the problem was, is that that grace could run out. And then you would have to start all over again to receive and earn that grace. I don't know about you, I feel like we live in a world where we're being told constantly, do this to receive my grace. Do this some more to receive it. Do it some more. And that grace is constantly running out. Paul just doesn't say that it was according to God's grace, but that it was according to God's Rich grace. His rich grace. There was no other reason that God redeemed you through sending his son Jesus and forgiving you of his sins other than his rich grace toward you. It wasn't that you put on your Sunday best. It wasn't that you somehow impressed him with helping somebody. It was because of his rich grace. It's because of his rich grace that Jesus is sent. It's because of his rich grace that Jesus dies for our sins, that he sacrificed. It's because of his rich grace that you are forgiven. Of your sins. You may have walked through these church doors a mess. Welcome to the party. You may even go so far as to say that I'm such a sinner. And I've messed up so much. And I'm surprised that this place didn't start on fire when I walked through the doors. Listen to me here, please. There is more grace in God than sin in you. Turn to Jesus and trust in Him. God will forgive you of your sins by His rich grace. He has enough. He's not stingy. He's not going to hold back, right? That's not all. We just don't see that God has rich grace, is it? When you are redeemed and forgiven in Christ, the most incredible reality takes place. So God does this because of His rich grace, but He takes that rich grace, and our passage then tells us that He lavished that rich grace upon us. I'm gonna confess something to you guys right now. I love ice cream Sundays. Every Sunday night, as Sharice and I start our Sabbath day, we normally finish the night as the boys go to bed. It's a strategic move on our part. And we get the ice cream out that's hiding downstairs in our freezer. We bring it up and I scoop my ice cream and I put some fudge on it and I put some caramel on it and then I take the whipped cream out and I spray the whipped cream all around. I actually hide my ice cream by using the whipped cream. What I do is I lavish the whipped cream onto my ice cream. You might even say that I'm having a little bit of ice cream with my whipped cream. Guys, it's, it's not that you were saved by grace and now somehow on the other side it's up to you to make up for the other things. No, God has chosen you to be holy and blameless. He has adopted you as children. And He has lavished His grace upon you. And so it's by this lavish grace that He has lavished upon us that we keep moving forward. That we keep on putting one step in front of the other. Do you see your salvation by grace alone? Or are you convinced that, yeah, Jesus had to pay for my sins, but now it's up to me to keep my salvation. Now I need to continue to please Him. No, it's by the rich grace which He lavished upon you. It's not your good works that please God, it's His Rich grace that he lavished upon you. Look, Paul is going to say this a little later on, so this is a spoiler alert. It's for for by grace you have been saved. Through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. You were saved by grace. Grace. And you were lavished with grace to keep on going. God planned to redeem sinners in Christ because of his rich grace with which he has lavished on us. And so a very natural question that might come from this is why? Why did God plan to redeem sinners in Christ? Our our text tells us that, that he did it in all wisdom and insight. You know, all kids are naturally intuitive. But some kids are very naturally intuitive. I feel like we have one of those kids at our house. He loves to ask questions. Makes me feel very proud and it humbles me. Because for every time he asks a question, I have to say two times, I'm sorry, buddy, I just don't know. At times I have to say just It's just how it is. I can't really explain it much further than that's just how it is. Likewise, this is a hard question. Why does God do it this way? Why does he redeem us through Christ and forgive us of our sins by his sacrifice? I think R.C. Sproul actually helps us out a little bit here. He says this wisdom and understanding does not refer to our wisdom and understanding, but to God's divine understanding. That is, the scheme of redemption he has decreed. So so in my best efforts, in one sentence, here's why. God has decided to redeem sinners this way because he thought it was wise to do so. He thought it was best to do it this way. And so what is Paul's follow-up here? He goes on to peel back the curtain a little bit more for us. So God does this with wisdom and insight. But it's not completely hidden from us. Paul finishes with saying this just marvelous encouragement. Paul tells us, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Let's think about it like this. Let's illustrate it like this. How was redemption revealed to those in the Old Testament? He told Adam and Eve that there would be an offspring that would crush the head of the serpent. That's it. He told Abraham that through Abraham, Abraham would have an offspring that would be a blessing to the nations. That's it. David is told that there would be an offspring from him that a forever kingdom would be established. That's it. God sets up the atonement and animal sacrifices to foreshadow what would come. That's it. God never fully laid out to his people What the redemption plan from sins would be. The details remained hidden at the time. As time went on, more was revealed, but it remained vague. That is, until Jesus came. And do you remember what Jesus says when he comes onto the scene? Repent now for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. It's happening before your eyes. It's taking place right now. And people are starting to get glimpses and and start to understand just a tiny bit here and a tiny bit there. As we were going through Matthew, and as we'll see when we pick Matthew back up, there's a theme that Matthew puts down this was fulfilled for this reason. The life of Christ is the revelation of the mystery that God is that Paul is talking about right now. The life of Christ is the revelation of the mystery of God's will for salvation. Brother and sister, this should bring such great hope to us that we can pick up God's Word and read about this mystery and see how this mystery unfolds. If you're here today and you would say, I don't believe in this, I would encourage you, honestly pick up one of the Gospels and read it with all integrity, And honesty. Not coming to it with preconceived arguments that you already have, but coming to it genuinely. This should deeply encourage us to keep on going. God did not leave things open-ended for us. He's revealed this mystery to us. He's revealed the mystery of his salvation plan to the church. We know the future of this world. As messy and as bad as it may get, as distressed and afflicted as you may feel, you can have hope because you can look to God's word and see what this mystery looks like. You can see that he's not left us here, but that he is coming back to get his bride. What incredible news this is! God planned to redeem sinners in Christ. We needed to be set free. Our, our sin shackled our souls to be hostile and enemies toward God. And what does God do in return to his enemies? He sets us free in Christ by perching, purchasing us out of slavery by his son's sacrifice. And he does so out of his rich grace, which he lavishes on us. He pours his grace out on us. This right here was the plan from the beginning. It's the plan to the end. The freedom that our souls long for, like Thomas Johnson is saying, is found in Christ. It's carried out by Christ and it brings the freedom we ultimately need in this life and the life to come. It is Christ who has set us free. So church, let's worship like it. Let's live like it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for sending your Son to redeem us. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus to be our sin sacrifice. We thank you for the lavish grace that you richly have, that you pour on us. Help us, Father. Help us to live as those who have been set free. Amen.